Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. We acknowledge the Noongar people the traditional owners of the land the upcoming game is played on and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the 2021 AFL Premiership season on AFL Nation. Pearls it into the pocket. Cameron wants it. Cameron gets it. To Sill with standing start. Lash the ball toward the goal. Oh, that's a moment of inspiration from the skipper. Bolton's still ready. Ready to run. 50 from goal, kept it alive, 48 from goal, goes with the banana, it'll be the miracle. He runs around and bombs a goal! Oh, what a blast it was from Bailey Smith. Martin's got it, he scores, he shoots, it's the stuff of legend! Justin Martin confirms his status at the top of the game! Welcome to AFL Nation. It is semi-final weekend, so they are all knockout finals from here. It begins in the West as Geelong looks to avoid a straight sets exit and squandering a season against the Giants who have overcome so much to still be alive at this stage. It's at the venue of the coming grand final, Optus Stadium in Perth, as the Cats and the Giants come together with only one to survive. On AFL Nation, Jared Waitley with you and Anthony Hudson is with me. Hello, hello. Hello, Jared. Good evening, everyone. There's some nervous people on the other side of the night. In fact, it feels like another world, another universe over there. It's so bleak and dark in Melbourne, but uh, both these sides obviously contrasting games. Last week, there's recent history. There's all the drama of Toby Green. There's the milestones. There's Jeremy Cameron against his old team. Uh, Paddy Dangerfield, there's so many different things yeah. that have happened to either side during the week. So how that's all going to come together tonight, I've got no idea, but I can't wait. It's a good observation at the top. The weather has finally caught up with the mood of mm. the city. Jordan Lewis, <laughs> hello to you. Oh, I was at the park today, not longer than three hours, but I just I knew the rain was coming and I was checking the weather band and just had passed us and then once it set in, well, it, it was a... Uh, Sort of half glad that the finals aren't here tonight, being um, the mm. weather it, it might be over there. But uh, I suppose today and, and tonight over there brings a sense of relief for the playing group because there's been a lot of media around, especially how Geelong have performed. And, and this is the opportunity to come out and, and try and rectify all that, that didn't happen last week. So as a player, you would imagine there's... There's a sense of belief, there's a sense of nervousness, but but certainly some relief that the game is upon us. They get a chance to come up against um, an undermanned GWS side. Um, but there will be a lot of answers, and you mentioned a few of them off the top. You know, how, how does Dangerfield perform with, with, with what is a broken hand? How do they, you know, set up their forward line? How does that operate? How do, how do their backs go? You know, Henderson, after having a, a, a down week last week, how does he respond? And, um, and the loser, season over. 
and you love that, don't you? You oh, love just, Sudden it, Death Finals. It just provides so much intrigue because I, I do really enjoy watching teams and players perform when the the result, um, you know, it, clearly if you win, you continue. And just to see how people prepare and perform under the immense pressure that is finals, but certainly a cutthroat final like tonight. Last Friday night, Jared Healy tiptoed us towards the crumbling of Empire. It yeah. became the overwhelming narrative of the week. And tonight we find out is you'll know at the end of tonight, Jared. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot more evidence, Jared and team. And uh, great to be on. Uh, I think the big pressure is with Geelong. I don't think uh, there's a huge amount of uh, back sliding if um, the Giants lose tonight. They've got to bring the pressure. If they bring the pressure and uh, diminish the ball movement of uh, Geelong, then they certainly can win. That's their only way that they can win. They have got to force Geelong into playing a bumbling, stumbling game that they played last week. If they don't, they will get slaughtered tonight, and uh, that's going to be their great challenge. But ultimately, everybody is looking at the Cats. I mean, their demographic, it doesn't take much to work out that uh, it's all chips in. I think it'll be all chips in again next year. But what last week showed was that if your best five players don't play well, gee, the result is going to be horrific for a period of time. Now, you can say that about any club, but when your best five players are 30-plus and a couple of them are 32-plus, three or four of them are 32-plus, then uh, you know, you've got some really long, extended rebuilding to do at some stage in the near future. Probably not next year if I'm Chris Scott. I'm going. I'm going all in again. Probably introduce a few kids, but uh, gee, tonight is is just massive. It's 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 a cutthroat final more so for Geelong than it is in my view for the Giants. The old uh, fall of the Empire, Jared, does remind me of 2010 calling with Tim Lane on Channel 10. I think it was 2010 or 2011. They were getting towed up, I think, by the dogs, and he said that. He, the days of domination are over for Geelong, and they went <laughs> yeah. on to win a premiership about twelve months later. Uh, but I, and I think looking forward to tonight, the how they set up. So I think the way that Geelong set up needs to be tinkered with. I think if you look at their inside 50s, and one of their biggest issues is the way they go inside forward 50 and the quality of ball that goes inside forward 50. And then I looked at the the numbers last week, and and for me, if I was to choose one player in that side to be delivering the ball inside forward 50, it's Mitch Duncan. Mm. He, he has two Inside 50s, clearly played wing, half back. I would, I would rather him in the middle of the ground to deliver the ball inside forward 50. I'd play Paddy Dangerfield forward and get Jeremy Cameron up the ground because one, he's a good ball user. Two, he can work up and back as that wing type assist in the air. And Dangerfield for me provides that that target that you need at the top of the goal square, that forward pressure that they didn't have last week. I just think that would be a a nice little change to to get that, that game style going again. Well, Tui coming in allows Duncan to push up the ground. Yep. I think Radagalia coming in allows them to long bomb, and they are a bit of a, uh, a banging midfield. I think that was the biggest issue to me. A lot of people focusing on, you know, the forward not doing the job on Alir Alir, but to me, Alir Alir was able to do his job because the midfield were horrible. I mean, the midfield aren't hitting targets to, to make Alir Alir defend and get him out of the way, etc. But just going back to your initial point, Jared, I've got some details here on their list. Hawkins, Higgins, Selwood and Smith are 34 next year. Tui is 33 next year. Dangerfield and Stanley turn 32 next year, so they've got some time. Rowan and Henderson, 31, but, you know, there's 30s and there's 30s. Um, 
Three are third at 29, two are 28, two are 27, two are 25, five are 22, and one is 21. That was their side last week. So if you compare it to, say, Melbourne, for instance, Melbourne have had four Rising Star Awards mm. this year. The Sydney Swans have had four. So there's, you know, they've had a good crack, and good luck to them. They get one more flag. There wouldn't be one person Geelong unhappy with their strategy. So if they lose tonight, though, and they're out in straight sets, do they go again next year, or do they actually start something? No, I, as I said, I would still go another crack. I don't know. What, you know, I try and introduce a few, but I don't think you can go wholesale changes with this group because I think I look at Hawkins. He's still probably the best big man in the competition. Selwood has still got a role to play. Isaac Smith, still a very important player. But how can the team improve on the – could you really look at it logically and you look, look at where Melbourne are at and those other teams mm. around them and think – that they're going to be better. They've had some bad luck this year at the end, but when you've got a list of that demographic, that's more likely to happen than ever. You've got a younger group. So how could you think they'll get better next year than this year? Well, I think they get better as soon as Tom Stewart comes back into the side. I mean, he's a huge out. I mean, if you're going to play the way they play, control the ball, defend with the ball, you are susceptible to pressure. And we saw that unfold and unravel them last week. But if you're key distributor from the back line is not there, then that sort of the domino theory mm. makes it much more difficult. So I still think there's a another premiership assault there. Probably they'd need to, you know, look at building the depth of their midfield, uh, getting a couple of better ball users in there. And unfortunately, Higgins has been that person that has, you know, failed. He just hasn't delivered, unfortunately, for him and for Geelong. But uh, they may be able to find one or two others, not pay too much, but just build the depth of their midfield. So the most creative minds throughout the week have suggested that should Geelong lose, Chris Scott might jump out mm. and, and head to a, a vacant job or a job that's not yet vacant. Could you in in any world see that? I don't think so. Not yet. I think he'd roll the dice for 12 more months. Unless there was a push for me internally, a big push there, well, that would be a different story. I don't think there is that. I don't, I don't think there I don't, is either. I'm pretty confident there isn't that push internally. I think most people... So it'd be, be his choice if it happened. It'd yeah. be him saying... I think Geelong have got one of the finest coaches in the land. It's easy to say, let's move on. And there's plenty of people out there at Geelong think we should be doing this and we should be coaching this way. And, you know, he has got a challenging style. He's got a style that controls, but he's got a style that uh, has had them 21 points in front in the grand final last year. So I, I think it's a, pretty, it's a pretty dangerous move to be tipping out one of the finest coaches we've seen over the last couple of decades. <laughs> well, we have seen that. We have seen that about <laughs> six weeks ago. It couldn't happen twice in the same three months. And so what of the stylistic debate, Jordan, that has been going on? There are, there are some who say that's home and away footy and it doesn't cut it when the pressure of finals truly kicks in. Yeah, I think Jerry's right in, in saying that Tom Stewart is is a massive out. They they are completely different, and ever since he's been out, it looks like the Fords just have lost that reference point. Nobody knows or have taken on that role of of being the calming influence um, down there in defence. Um, I still think can control at, at certain parts of the game can can clearly work when when Geelong for me are playing their best football. They're a little bit more aggressive especially with the ball. I, I still remember that game. Now, that, now, West Coast didn't play that well, but that, for me, was a change of mindset. They started to switch the ball. They started to run and use the open side of the ground, and Isaac Smith was involved. Duncan was involved, and they absolutely 
obliterated West Coast down there. And we've seen times that they've been able to do that. Well, that third quarter against Richmond, the entire match against Fremantle, was a little bit yep. there. It was a more controlled, but just a, one of the best displays of footy this year, really. So, yeah. So for me, I think as a player, if you're playing at Geelong, you're, you're always wrestling with the idea and, and um, the temptation to play down the line because that's what that's what you're used to but yet they've introduced and they've been doing it for a little bit but the the open side for me look they look more dangerous because I think you get a twofold reward for it one yes you're opening up the ground you you um you're energized but two you, you're you're zapping the defense so so we saw last week when Geelong were moving the ball down the line yes Alia Alia had a lot of influence in the game but then once that ball was marked boom they made the ground so big they had energy because they didn't really have to defend a lot of the part of the ground so I would like to see Geelong more aggressive certainly tonight I I think conditions will clearly suit that Um, and I think they'll get an advantage down forward for me it's the it's probably the setup of the forward line to be honest I, I think the way GWS defend they defend back shoulder so if I'm a forward I'll be I'd like to set up sort of 40 metres from goal. So to use that space behind or, or to provide that double double threat, you can lead up or lead back, rather than stationing myself really deep when they can just defend back shoulder and, and have everything that comes towards them. And I think we saw Hawkins and Taylor last time do that. And Taylor had arguably his best game of the year. But for me, they need to get up the ground a little bit more and work back. The style is, a, I think it's a really interesting discussion. And to play quick, that's also, I reckon, an easy objective. But to play quick, you've got to have players that can make the decisions and back it up with skill. And you know, I look at Henry, good player, Henderson, Kolodashny, Tui, Tick, Atkins and Blitzars, not so many no. ticks. So no. you're coming off the half-back line. Um I'm a bit nervous, and I can see why Chris Scott says, let's just slow it down, make sure the option's there, etc. But if you could go and pinch Lockie Whitfield and stick him in the half-back line or Josh Kelly, they're the sort of players that Geelong don't have. Or a Jordan Dawson. Absolutely. Now, yeah. that might be in a story in its own right uh, at yeah. some stage in the next week. Uh, follow that one. Um, even Lockie Ash is a good kick, yep. and they haven't got these penetrating kicks off the half-back line. So, I mean, ultimately, Chris Scott has got this group of players and he's fashioned, I think, an unbelievably pertinent style for that group of players. But that doesn't mean if he's there next year, he says, we're going to go exactly the same way. Maybe they've got to say, we need to flip it a little bit and go and buy some personnel or push a Clark in and, you know, get him some game time somehow, somewhere, because he has got the speed and I think he's got the dexterity uh, of skill and also the um, and the, the capacity between the ears to make those choices. So what we saw with... With Rowan last week, would you continue with that? Him off halfback? Now you know Radigalia might fill that void left in the forward line in terms of competing in the air. He looked okay. He was yeah. he was good in the air. He provided some run and carry, which they lacked in the first half. And he's a good kick. But, I mean, he's had many years with the Swans on the halfback line. I think Chris has turned him into a in a pretty good forward. So, but I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see it simply because Radigalia comes in. But I think what we're seeing if, in by comparison with Port Adelaide, and by comparison with the Sydney Sw- with uh, the Demons, you have a look at their small forwards. Yeah, I mean, right now they they've got a forward line that you reckon is always going to rely on perfect football coming into the forward line. Tom Hawkins is probably their best ground ball player. 
I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. I mean, they they haven't got an A-grade crummer at this stage. So they dropped Dalhouse for this week. Yeah. So they've been yeah. a long believer in him that he played a role. It was not necessarily obvious from the outside, but exactly what that was. But they've made that change. So it'll be interesting. And I know they're aware that uh, we saw it with Port last week, but their, their, their weakest forward or a small forward has been targeted by the, mm. by the interceptor. And Aaliyah did it so well last week. So they'll be ready if that's Haynes doing that tonight. But, but I find it fascinating that um, they're targeting their small forward. What does a small forward run over on the half-forward line and do what Cody Waitman did and go and put it, put, get on the charge and get a chest mark? I mean, get a Lear Lear away from there. I mean, a Lear Lear well, dominated because they them, kicked it to the obvious spot. Let them go. Uh, close is a good player. Myers, you know, he's growing. Gary Rowan, Jeremy Cameron, Radigalia and Hawkins. There's not a lot of ground ball penetration there. And if you put danger there. I mean, he's a, he's clearly can win ground ball, but it's not that super high-end skill that, um, you know, you see with Port Adelaide, which is, that's why it's a really interesting mix. This is the pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Added to that mix is Jeremy Cameron against the Giants for the mm. first time, which is perfect that it would happen in a do-or-die final. So the, the narrative, you've lived this narrative, player leaves, but the extra kicker is, thinks the current team is done. <laughs> Leaves, go to where he feels like he can have more success. The geography plays a role, but yep. let's just skip over the geography. And then here they are, the Giants unexpectedly back in a semifinal, and the Cats probably hoping to avoid this step and have skipped straight over to the prelim. Yeah, GWS finished 13th last year, and then you, you lose what could possibly be your best player in a period where you would hope everyone's staying around to help you climb back up the ladder. He, he, he gets out, and then... You find yourself in a position which they wouldn't have thought they would have been in you know, at the start of the year or halfway through the year in a semi-final against the player that left your club to a side that he thinks was in premiership contention. And this is your chance to be there and, and to knock them off. And, and I know they're under man, but that, that, if I was play, that for me is, is motivation. And you're right, I, I've lived through it. Um, 2013, lucky enough to win the premiership. And, and Sydney, who were always competing around that era with, with us, Lance Franklin goes and joins that team. And then funnily enough, we play them in the home and away season. We didn't really um, think too much about that game. He came out and was overly aggressive. And then we sort of thought, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll play them at some stage during the back end of the career, be it finals. And then we got our chance in the grand final. I can tell you there, there would have been nothing that would have stopped us from making his day hell. We're still mates after the game, but absolutely – Sydney Swans, after what happened in 12, now having Franklin, we get a chance to to redeem ourselves but also stop um, him from winning a grand final. Absolute motivation. I think it suits the demeanour of the Giants. I think they will take it personally. Mm. They'll use it to fuel themselves. And I expect that we'll see it out on the ground even more visibly than you normally do. Do you think it's the right tactic to I someone like know. Jeremy Cameron, who's but, such a laid back? But it suits their demeanour. Mm. So no, if, they, if they draw from it, then it doesn't really matter what it does to And Club Cameron. V Club, there was angst around the yes, deal. There yes. was real angst around the deal. And when we talk about the the decision, Geelong were committed to Cameron. It ended up costing them a, a, so much more than what they thought when they thought they might be able to get him as a free agent. And, you know, they got all this capital from uh, from the Tim Kelly deal. They then used it on, on um, 
not reluctantly, but they did on camera, and there was a lot of a uh, lot of angst around it from various parties. So that just all adds to it. I think the kicker, the absolute kicker, though, is Jesse Hogan turns up and mm. has done essentially what uh, Jeremy Cameron has done. It's been a really good pickup for them. He's done well. Sometimes you need to have a relationship. Seems like he's got this relationship with uh, Big Mummy. He straightened him up. He's dedicated. And uh, gee, last week was that was mm. the best game he's played for a long period of time. Yep. The idea that the Giants are undermanned, so they played round 21, they beat Geelong. They lose Toby Green, but they gain Hopper, Cornelio, Kelly, Hogan mm. and Mumford from the team that just yeah. beat the He's Cats. a good player, uh, Toby Green, but I don't think he surpasses that quartet or five people. It was a strange game. I remember College Asney kicks the goal in the first couple of minutes, yeah. first of his career. Cats are celebrating. Everyone thinks it's a great laugh because they're playing the team with all those players missing. And then the game really changed and the Giants, the Cats did come storming home, but it was too late. So it's different expect- – and Danger got injured in that game early, of course. So that was the – Toby Green got suspended from that and missed the, missed the following week. Danger didn't give evidence. So there's another – there was another That's little right, thing yes, that was all yeah. stitched into it. So, yeah, it will be uh, – real. and Taranto kicks the four goals the following week without Toby. So that's – does he play forward tonight and do the same again, or do they, or is it just Cornelio that goes there? You look at their back line, it's, it's pretty small. I mean, Stain's been a good player, but, you know, he's going to be either on Tom Hawkins or Radicalia. He's, he's fighting out of his weight there. Taylor's also fighting out of his weight. He seems to do really well on big-name players, but uh, do you, I think... He, he stitched up Hawkins he last did. time. Yeah, yeah, he did. Um, so it goes in with some confidence. Haynes is the interesting one. He's, he's I guess, notionally the interceptor, but he hasn't done a lot of intercepting in recent times. So they're probably one short. Connor Iden's been one of their really good uh, players named on the bench. I suspect he'll be he'll be playing there. But I think there are so many, as you said, there's so many uh, clauses and sub-clauses and mm. uh, stories in this one. It's uh, going to be a beauty. I mean, you, you looked at the Giants. I did it before last week's game. I think they had 13 players last week that were top 20 mm. draft picks and six that were top four. So there's a lot of talent still in that Giants team. And that's why it's been a hard conversation around Leon Cameron to judge him because he just hasn't had any luck with injuries for the whole time through. But even though we all thought that given how they did last year that they would fall this year, there's still enormous highly. And we know where you get drafted only means something, but Mm. it does mean something. Yeah, it means you've got talent. Yeah. It means you've got plenty of talent. doesn't mean that you're going to make it. Plenty of top draft picks have uh, failed along the way. And the, the, the guy under the most pressure at uh, the Giants is their captain. I mean, Steve Cornelio, it's, he, he hasn't been uh, anywhere near his very best. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure he was ever the super, super midfielder that people said he was, but he was certainly a darn good player through the middle of the ground. And now his role has been what most people in the West say is his best role, as a kid, and that is a sort of a, a negative forward who can kick a goal. Now, he's gone into the midfield and picks up 30 like every other midfielder that goes into the uh, into the game. But, uh, gee, he needs to somehow just impose himself, I think, just to almost convince himself as, as to his worth as captain. And the issue that the Giants have dealt with throughout the week, and it is unresolved still as we sit here, is Toby Green's suspension. So the, the three weeks as it stands rules him out for the remainder of the year. The appeals hearing happens after the final series where the AFL will look to have that increased from three to six, which will have a big impact on next year mm. if they are successful on that. How do we feel that's unfolded during the week? I thought it, I thought Gill recovered it well. I thought that uh, it was a bit shy. I think if they had have come out, pleaded guilty, thrown himself on the sword, uh, you know, 
acknowledged everything that was wrong about it, then I think you could probably have got three and four and most people would have walked away and said, probably lucky, but move on. But to essentially say nothing to see here, you know, I, I think that was flouting uh, with common sense. And, you know, I'm not surprised Gil responded the way he did and I think he needed to respond the way he did. I listened to your show the morning of it and I couldn't believe some of the stories. Uh, there was a young young girl who Laura, was a, was. Who was a uh, goal umpire. Mm. I mean, her story was reason enough for Gil to act. Whatever the outcome of the suspension, it has to be a moment that does produce change at that at that level, doesn't it? I think so like, it's, a, it's an all of code discussion. Yeah. I do think that's the bit the Giants missed. Is yeah. you had to, I think, and history will say if they end up with three, then they played a, a good hand. He'll end up with six, I think, and they will have missed the element of damage control, which yeah. was to get out in front of it, to own it, to apologise for it. They essentially they pleaded not guilty and then asked for zero weeks. Mm. Th- those were the two things the Giants did, and then they've sort of spent the week telling us, oh, no, he's really sorry. Well, there's no action to say that. No. There was a, an apology within the tribunal hearing, but there's nothing more broad than that. So I think they missed that aspect. Yeah, I think they misread it completely. I mean, I think even the vision, I thought uh, Gleeson nailed it. He moved off his line into the line of the umpire, and uh, people got confused about the level of impact. Well, the, the level of impact was totally irrelevant because the umpire got out of the way, which diffused the impact. There was still a brushing of impact, but had, had he stayed square on his line and he had no reason to get off his line, it would have been a, a much more damage not damaging, but it would have been a much more provocative um, action that I think should the, the action should have been judged on. The more I look at it, the more I shake my head. I, I just can't believe that a player would not understand just the, the basic um, respect that, are, that is around. You, you just never touch umpires, whether it be to, to grab their arm and let them know that something's happening. And certainly you wouldn't go in and, should, and should bump Lock- them on your way off. Should Lockie Neal have been suspended? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's interesting yep. how each mistake that's been made within the judicial system has reverberated mm. either within season or season to season. Yeah, which is why you should never walk past a mistake when it's made. And maybe the AFL learnt that this week. We have much to discuss tonight. We'll come through the Carlton scenario. Collingwood's got a new coach. We're going to touch base with both camps tonight. Vaccinations are in the discussion of the football world. Is Jared on the panel now or not? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have your eyes on a brand new car? Go ahead and experience the convenience of buying your brand new Hyundai online with Hyundai's Click to Buy. Visit the Hyundai website to find your local dealer today. Semi-final night over in the West. It's the second of the semi-finals, the Cats and the Giants, and you're listening to AFL Nation. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Second semi-final night over in the West on AFL Nation. It will be Geelong and the Giants to do battle for the right to face Melbourne in the prelim a week later. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis with you in the build-up tonight. It's hard not to be drawn to Carlton. <laughs> it's really hard not well, to. We've got the right man, Jared. We, so we do rely on your <laughs> breadth of experience in me, these moments, Jared, because I am utterly confounded by the parallel universes that seem to be in play here. It feels like the president of Carlton is running one universe mm. while Carlton is trying to run another universe, one of which collapses the moment there's a decision in another. 
Yeah, look, it's been an unbelievable watch. Ultimately, I think it's been disappointing for Carlton all round. They they may pull the rabbit out of the hat, and his name is Alistair Clarkson, and good luck to them if they do, because he's probably exactly what they need. But, gee, the carnage along the way, both to reputation and to people, has been uh, really disappointing, and there's not much more they can say about it. I mean, they've, every move that they've uh, made has leaked. Um, some of the moves they've made have uh, defied logic. They're clearly uh, telling people one thing, and, you know, three minutes later they're telling them another thing. I mean, there's... It's been a really messy situation and I just hope that they can find a way out and uh, acknowledge their mistakes and and find the right coach and move forward because that group of players, they deserve the best coach that the Carlton Footy Club can get. That, 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 into that, that club, the supporters, they deserve to have um, outstanding leadership at the club and, you know, there are people at the club who, you know, like the... CEO, it's just amazing what's going on there. I mean, it's pretty open knowledge that they're trying to get Brian Cook and yet Kane Little's sitting on the panel to pick the coach. Even though if Clarkson's there, there'll be no panel. Uh, Ross Lyon wasn't going to be on the wasn't going to go through a process other than probably talking to the committee. And yet, uh, all of a sudden, the process becomes the buzzword. And yet, I'm not even sure if anybody knows what the process is just at the moment. It's just that there's a process, mm. there's six people on it, but any detail beyond that, and we're not quite sure. Mm. Are they trying to get Brian Cook to be CEO, do we know, or are they trying to get him to be a consultant? Well, I don't, I don't know the reality of that, but it would appear that they're trying to get him to be CEO because therein lies the link to convincing Clarko to come along. And despite the fact that many people have said Clarko is not coming, and I think his camp is still making those noises, they obviously believe that uh, if they can get Cook in, I think that would be great if they could get Brian Cook. And Brian Cook was ready for two years of really, really hard work. I mean, he's one of the more outstanding CEOs we've seen over the last few decades, but he is at the end of his working mm. life. Um, and if it does help land Clarko, well, then you can see why they're invested in the idea. How do we think the Ross Lyon scenario played out? It was hard not to conclude last night that there were promises. Luke Sayers made him promises that he just couldn't keep. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure I know much more about it than that. Just watching from afar, I think it was pretty clear that the goalpost moved. Don't know from where to where, but uh, certainly something had changed because I think it's pretty clear that Ross was of the view that if it wasn't Clarko, it was him. Um, I. Not sure there was much mention of a process uh, prior to. Certainly not a process where he's sitting in front of five or six people who, with the exception of one or two, wouldn't have uh, the clue, uh, the phonest, of what to ask him to determine whether he was a good coach or a bad coach. So clearly, clearly the goalpost moved somewhere. How hurt did he get from it? Or did uh, he hurt himself through the process? So he seemed to... Well, not seem to. He, he made a run at another man's job on television... He cited smear campaign at the first hint of there might be some due diligence to be done, and then he jumped straight out when there was any thought of a formal process put in place. Yeah, well, I don't think he... I, I think he has acknowledged it was a mistake, uh, the initial sort of enthusiasm for the job. Probably had his time again, he'd, he'd hold back a week. Um, I think the smear campaign was worth acknowledging because he has acknowledged it before. He's stood up in front of uh, people before and has acknowledged it. And um, essentially said there's nothing to see here, nothing else to see here. Um, and what was the third point? That he jumped as soon yeah, as... Yeah, well... Uh, he abandoned ship as soon as there was a, any hint of a formal process. No, I don't think the formal process was uh, 
the issue. I think if he knew about the formal process initially, I think he may have uh, accepted uh, whatever challenge. But I, I think he's too senior for a formal process. I, I think that was demeaning to ask him to go through a formal process. Where does it leave them now if Clarko's not on the table? Is it? Do they need a, an experience, the best experienced coach has been often quoted, or do they just go, do a Collingwood, go through it and find another Craig McRae if he presents the but best? But that's what processes are for. Mm. Processes are for sort of sorting through junior coaches and maybe recycle coaches that haven't got the seniority in the you know the thirteen years of um, of um, doing the job in front of everybody. It's it's not for waiting between Chris Scott and Brad Scott. I mean, Chris Scott's not going to do a process. Brad Scott's not going to do a process. They may present to the board and let everybody know what they're doing. If that's what you call a process, fine. But they're not going to go through what uh, McRae went through at Collingwood. Yeah, I just. I think that that's the way that they'll have to go. Um, with I, I, I agree with Jerry. There's no point putting someone like Ross Lyon or, or Alistair Clarkson or, or someone through the the whole process of a of a, an untried or a. You'd want a plan. You don't, but that's I, you, different you, to a process. Yeah, isn't correct. It? I, I think that the Collingwood one was was quite exhausting li- listening to McRae talk about it. He had to jump through a lot of hoops, and they find out about your family and, and all that type of stuff. And I think. You would want to you would want to hear from Ross Lyon or Alistair Clarkson about how he sees the game. What what does he think his game style will look like? I still think there needs to be a base knowledge of how the incoming coach one views a list, two sees the modern game, and and three gives you an insight on how how he implements. I, I always look at those things and and look at the panels. I, I just always think, why isn't there some youth on there? Why don't they have a bit of diversity? Why do they always have you know people of um, administration and then some some ex players or coaches that are you know are, um, are not recently retired players or players that have sort of you know recently been in in clubs? I think it's it, it would be good to have some diversity, a different look on things. You don't necessarily always have to have people on those things with huge experience and life experience and game experience to get some good opinions. When Luke Sayers first picked up the phone and rang Ross and essentially said, if it's not Clarko, it's you, Luke Sayers wasn't thinking we're going to be doing a process. No. no. Luke Sayers was thinking, well, it'd be great for you to come in, bring us along for the ride, show us what you're going to do, how are we going to improve here, what do we need to address here, here, here and here in these departments and, and just explain to us, take us along for the ride. When the goalpost moved, I think, you know, something has changed in Luke's mind. He either thinks he's definitely going to get Clarko or he's concerned about other elements um, that have uh, lobbed on his desk or he's, something has changed. Or the other board members have just said, we, this is, you know, we can't just do that. We, we've got to go through a, but a surely they process. But surely they make that decision, the well, board, you would prior think, to. You would think they would have done picking that. Picking up the phone. Yeah. And ringing up a man as seasoned as Ross Lyon. Mm, you would think that. So do they? Do they need to walk back that we're going to make finals next year? Can they? Can it's they? Too late. Can they do that? So well, if you're a young coach, you wouldn't go anywhere near this job. The president is on record saying they want an experienced, successful coach, and they're making finals next year. What, and if Clarko gives them a wink at some stage in the next three weeks, it's over. Mm. Why on earth would you go anywhere near this process if you if you're if you don't fit that bill of the precious few and the precious few don't look terribly keen. That, that's been one of the interests. Don Pike 
sort of went through a little bit and then went, nah, not for me. Brad Scott feels like he really wants the AFL job first. If that doesn't happen, then maybe coaching's a fallback from there. Like, who's who's knocking down the door other than Ross Lyon campaigning on classified to do it? Well, no one's knocking down the door. No one's uh, campaigning. I mean, at, at the present time of the non-tried coaches, Adam Kingsley is probably mm. in the box seat. It may end up falling to Adam Kingsley if um, none of the senior guys are around are prepared to jump through the hoops of a, an extended process. How'd you be if you're a player? Especially one of the players who at the end, yeah. the emerging leaders, went to the CEO and said, no, keep David Teague and change what's around him. Yeah, that, that's that's the people that I feel for. I feel for, as Jared said, the players and, and the supporters who have gone through uncertainty and, and change the last 10 years. And the, the players just want clarity of who will be their coach. And then we can get into you know the off-season. Then we can come back and, and get our heads around what the club will look like and what next next season will look like because at the moment they are just left in limbo. And that's why it's disappointing because I thought Ross Lyon was the perfect candidate for yep. them because, you know, they we know forward of the centre they're pretty good. Uh, we know that they've got some midfield issues that can be addressed through the summer period and yep. I reckon some of their midfielders, uh, given that Ross has been a genius with midfields over his career, that would be sorted. And defence, well, that's his bread and butter. That is the number one asset that Ross brings to a football club, and that's defence. It just seemed a perfect marriage. Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis are our experts tonight for car sales. Sell your car the hassle freeway with car sales instant offer. Into the Giants camp over in the West with Mark McVeigh and then the Cats to join us with Matthew Knights as we set up this second semi final. AFL Nation is giving you the chance to nominate someone to win two 2022 AFL Silver Club memberships thanks to Coles Insurance. Visit iCanWin.com.au. A sports news update for Chicane. Trade quality hand tools with lifetime warranty. G'day, it's Sam Fantasia with the latest in sports. Adelaide coach Matthew Nix has backed in Taylor Walker to return and play for the club next season. The former skipper, who is contracted for 2022, has had questions raised around his future in the wake of a racism scandal which saw him suspended for six matches. The AFL's COVID-19 vaccination policy is expected to be reeled once the season ends. CEO Gil McLaughlin admits mandating the jab for staff is a complicated position and that there is some resistance from the AFL Players Association. Briefly, John Haynes is leaving his gig as Gold Coast football manager after four years. He's been in the position since 2017, overseeing the rebuild of their football department and playing list. And at the Saints, where Nick Walsh will take over from Matt Hornsby as head of fitness. That's sport, and it's all thanks to Chicane. Trade quality hand tools with lifetime warranty. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Tonight, Geelong and the Giants meet in a semi-final over in the West. AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles win tiling products for a year. Iconwin.com.au. Jared Healy, Jordan Lewis, Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you. Mark McVeigh is with us, the Giants' assistant coach. Mark, always great to have you on AFL Nation. Yeah, thanks, Jared. Thank you for having me. How are you hanging in? So I think your itinerary was Victoria, Queensland, Victoria, Tasmania, Western Australia. Is that about right? <laughs> That's about right, mate. I think we're... Uh... 73 days in, so uh, it's been quite a journey. Are you feeling that at the moment, or does the um, does the taste of finals sort of push that to the background? Yeah, I think it has, to be honest. Um, obviously, uh, it was a grind there for a period of time leading into 
obviously September and then uh, once we uh, knew we qualified, I think the group um, was sort of got that spring in their step. Uh, certainly the staff did as well. And uh, since we've been here, obviously in Tasmania, they treated us extremely well. It's been a little hard here with lockdown, but um, now that we're out and we can play and it's great to see um, you know people in the crowd, I think the players have got a real spring in their step. What was the aftermath, uh, Spike, to the McVeigh Assistant Coach Cup last week? <laughs> uh, pretty icy, to be honest. Uh, didn't hear from him for about three or four days, and we talk most days. So, uh, yeah, look, it's, um, it, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? But um, we were very fortunate to get away with the win. They're a great club, and um, we know we've got a big job on our hands tonight. It's been a big week for the club um, through what what happened last week. How how have the the players dealt with that? I suppose has it has it worn them down? Is it one of those things where they don't necessarily think of it? I'm talking about the Toby Green situation, or yeah. how how have you addressed it within the club? Yeah, look, it's um, obviously we let it play out initially until um, we till we found out what was um, the final result for Toby, and then he addressed the group um, privately, um, staff and players, um, and apologised. Um, and it was really heartfelt. Um, you know what it's like in a footy club. Um, we never lynch anyone. Uh, we love them. They're our teammates. They're our friends, and um, we respect them. He was, it was a really good message to us. Once that was done, I thought it broke the ice, and we went into our main session. We went straight into opposition um, and sort of, you know, got worked out the strategy that we can play against Geelong, went into our, our main prep, and we moved on. So, and Toby, to his credit, trained in the main session. He trained in the captain's run. He's been proactive with the players in regards to forward line movement. So, we got over it pretty quick, mate, to be honest. Uh, I'm interested to hear about Jesse Hogan, a player that I played a, a little bit of footy with, and he, he went over to the West and then came. It, it just seems like he's in a in a really good spot. He's clearly struck up a, a friendship with Mummy, and um, last week was arguably the best best game of his probably the last five years. Yeah, it was really good, mate, to see him do that. I think the contested part of his game was outstanding in terms of his marking. And um, what we've what we've come to realise about Jesse is uh, he's a really smart footballer. Um, he, he really works hard with his other forwards about leading patterns. We think he's our best leading pattern player in, in, in our in our club, apart from Toby, he just understands where the ball carries. He understands the space, and his endpointing on opposition defenders is really strong. So uh, we're really wrapped for him. He's coming. He's kicked a, you know a, a strong amount of goals this year and marked the ball extremely well. So you'd have to say it's been good for us this year, and we've been really pleased for him. Mark, Toby's not the only Green that's missing. Tom Green is mm. also out of injured, which is a shame because uh, he's been super for you which opens up the door for Canelio, your skipper, uh, to yep. come back into the middle of the ground. Now, last week you played him as a sort of a negative forward. He, he was okay at about 12 possessions. Bobby Hill, Connor Stone are on the bench, so one assumes that one of those guys is going to go there. Does, does that unleash the skipper back into the fray? It certainly does, Jared. It's a really good question. Um, we're really going to miss Tom. He's been uh, massive for us this year. His contester work is outstanding. Yep. Um, so it does give... Um, even the opportunity to go inside a lot more tonight. Um, Connor Stone's that winger type forward player yep. um, who, who is still learning his craft, so won't spend as much time there. And, and obviously, you know about Bobby Hill, but it does give uh, Cornelia a great option to get in there and, and, and you know get us going in there again. He's had a slow build up, we know that. Uh, he's ready to go. Uh, he's a midfielder, we know that. Gets his opportunity tonight. We expect him to lead from the front. So. You've watched Geelong, and we've all seen Geelong and the analysis of Geelong. And like every club, they are susceptible to pressure. Last week, your pressure against the Swans in the first half was elite. And yep. you would have looked at it and said, well, 
you know, maybe on paper we're not quite there at the present time, but I tell you what, if we bring the heat again, they're going to crumble. Surely that's been the message of the week. It's been one of them. <laughs> it's, um, it's definitely we, – we know that um, – and, 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 and every club's different, but our club um, prides itself on its pressure and its contested work, and you guys all know that. Um, we realise and understand that we need to pressure the Cats. If we allow their uncontested game to get going and they get through the middle of the ground, they're number one in the comp for entering inside 50 through the corridor. So we've got to make sure that we're right onto it. Our uncontested marks – we cannot afford them to chip the ball around. So our pressure mm. needs to be right up. We need to be in their face. We need to man the mark really aggressively. We need to get over and outnumber at the contest and pressure them. And then we need to punch back through them. We know that. Um, and they're a great team. And they're going to get, you know, they're going to go through the middle of the ground. They're going to find ones and twos through there and get it inside. But uh, we think um, our game plan is all around our pressure and our strategies to really pressure them at the source. But also when they've got the ball, we're not just going to, you know, hopefully sit back and allow them to chip through us because if we do that, we'll get beat tonight. So um, we think we've got enough speed in our group tonight to be able to test them as well. Obviously, some names that you mentioned in Bobby Hill and Connor Stone, they're super fast, mm. very quick. Um, so we, we, we like to think that we've got added some speed into our group, even though we've lost some players. We have added some speed, which is great. Uh, Spike, I've, I've been in this position when when Franklin left Hawthorne at the end of 2013 went went to the yeah. Sydney Swans. Has been, has it been, and we used that as motivation. We really did because we just didn't want him to, to beat us in and finally he'd left us on our yeah. journey. We wanted to, to get one back. Has there been any mention of Jeremy Cameron this week? Is there, is there a feeling that, you know, of similarities between that? Uh, not really, mate, because um, he left on probably different circumstances potentially and obviously you know a lot more about Buddy than I do, but um, he's... He's got a lot of close friends here, so we we internally there's a lot of players that would you know obviously like to like to make sure that we beat him. But um, I still wanted to belt Bud. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, mate, I'm, I'm with you. I do the same. But um, he he he's um, he's been wonderful for us, and um, there's great friendships here. But they do want to beat him. Uh, they want to they want to obviously uh, make sure that uh, we put in a good contest for him. And um, you know I, he, he's a huge challenge for us tonight. And 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 you'll see tonight in our lineup there'll be a little bit have a different strategy to combat him because we know what he does. He likes to lead up the ground and then he gets him, gets him behind you and gets you back to goal. So we'd like to think we know him well. That doesn't mean you can stop it, but we've planned for him during the week and showed a lot of edits about how he's getting a lot of his, a lot of his football. Are you planning for Rowan forward or back? Planning for him forward at this yep. stage, mate. And Blitzarves, Rock or back? Back yep. at this stage. So uh, that, but we... We have, uh, we have um, you know, obviously mentioned a few times there with Rowan going, um, you know, down back after halftime last week. If we can force that this week with, uh, you know, keeping him quiet again, well, it's a win for us. So uh, we'll be trying to do that again. The team sheets have just been lodged, uh, Mark, so there's a, a late change. What's going to miss with Jesse Hogan? Yeah, I knew you'd ask me that, Jared. <laughs> um, no, I was hoping to get off the call. Uh, no, no, he, um, he, uh, he actually uh, a calf. To be honest, um, he's um, had pulled up with a tight calf after the game. We didn't think that it would affect him getting up for tonight's game. We tried to train him during the week, and um, unfortunately, he hasn't come up. So um, Phil Davis comes into the side, and um, you know we go from there. So uh, yeah, a little bit um, disappointing for Jesse, obviously, or very big disappointment for our club and for him. But um, we just couldn't risk him in a big final that's going to be high pressure and fast pace. And we're a bit disappointed in you, Spike. I thought we had an open relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, to be honest, I was to and fro with it to tell you. And I didn't want to blow anything, so I apologise. All those years ago, no we supported respect. you, Spike, after your career. <laughs> good, on, good on you, Mark. Good luck for tonight. Thanks for your time. 
Yeah, thanks very much, boys. Good on you. Thank Mark you. McVeigh from inside the Giants camp. Shout out for Flight Centre. Win $30,000 worth of holidays. Now, then travel later with Flight Centre. That's win now. Travel later with Flight Centre. What a terrible pity. Oh, yeah. yeah. What a finish to the interview. <laughs> what a shame. The third quarter marking last week just mm. left such an impression. And I guess it's a bit of his recent run as he just yeah. can't get a fair go at it. Well, it certainly makes it more difficult for them. If Geelong lose this one, the microscope will be on. You can get involved on AFL Nation across the weekend on the open line thanks to Southern Phone. Simplify your life with Southern Phone. Mobile plans switch to Southern Phone. So Phil Davis replaces Jesse Hogan in the Giants lineup tonight. James Peatling is the sub, while for the Cats they're as selected, and Zach Guthrie is the sub. That's a that throws the whole forward setup for the Giants out as well. We'll keep going on AFL Nation next. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. AFL Nation on second semi-final night. It is Geelong and the Giants over in the west where the sun is starting to set. That's where we find Geelong assistant coach Matty Knights. Matty, welcome to AFL Nation. Yeah, thanks, Derek. And we were just talking to the Giants, so they told us, so Jesse Hogan's out, and we were just pondering, what does that mean, Phil Davis coming in? Have you had your quick little chat as to what that looks like? Yeah, just found out ourselves in the last couple of minutes that that was the case. I mean, you would assume Davis um, would play back, but, you know, more interesting things have happened with selection and, um, and, and whether he goes back and then... They use Canelio, Taranto a bit more in the in the forward line, which they had previously with good success. It probably presents us with a slightly different challenge because you're likely to see a little bit of more of that mid-spread from the Giants down in the forward half. So, um, yeah, they'll have a different look and obviously going to be relying on a couple of the other boys to get it done. What do you do with that before the opening siren, Matty, as a coaching group and then to the players, or do you wait and see what it looks like when they take the field? No, we discussed it as a coaching group just uh, some five minutes ago. We discussed the different scenarios that might occur. Um, in regards to whether you know, if Davis does go back, how their forward line will look. Um, they've still got a couple of targets up there, so really agile ones at that. And as I said, Taranto kicked four goals in a game recently. Um, Canelio come in and played predominantly forward, and DeBoer's played more forward in the last few weeks than he had previously in his last couple of years. So maybe a little bit more mid-representation in their forward half. Actually, Matty, I just wonder, does COVID make the espionage a lot harder on other teams? Like, do you have no idea where they're at physically or can you still get some intelligence sometimes? <laughs> Maybe less than we used to. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, yeah we, it was a surprise to us um, that, that Hogan was going to be missing. So um, we planned all week accordingly that thinking he'd, you know, him, their forward line would be pretty settled, um, apart from Toby Green being out and they'd probably bring a replacement in with, you know, Bruin or play one of their mids a bit more forward. So, yeah, it's a bit of a you know unusual one, but we've just got to adapt now and um, be flexible on the run. No, it will keep along the same theme. I think that the positional change of Rowan last week actually looked quite good. He looked quite comfortable down back. Do we see him start down back or, or back up in the forward line tonight? No, no, he'll start in the forward line tonight. He'll predominantly play forward. We, we looked to change things up a little bit when it wasn't quite working for, for us and Gary last week, but no, he'll go back into his forward role this week and... Um, Obviously pretty determined to play well with that forward group. We've got to give our forwards some, some better looks at it. I thought it was all right last week we went forward, but I don't think we um, we give them a great look at it with our ball use inside 50. And also the forwards have to, at times, just fight harder to keep it in there for a bit longer. And Sometimes in big finals, scramble goals out of nothing, which is sometimes the best way to do it in 
in big games like this in the contest. Has Jeremy Cameron been this week? I think different players and different personalities deal with it differently coming up against their old side. He missed the game in the middle part of the year, but now it's a, it's a cutthroat finally. You finally come up against you, the side that you, you left last year. How's he been feeling? Yeah, decent question. He's, he's an unflappable guy pretty much anyway, so I haven't seen much change in his persona this week. He's been, been as normal, but I'm, I'm sure being against his old team for the first time, there, there will be some, um, I guess, some, some nervousness there, but I think once he gets out there and if he can hit the scoreboard early, I think with one or two, it, you know, it obviously had settled him down enormously. And, and we need him to. We need, you know, obviously we need Hawke and, and Jeremy to sort of win their matchups. Now, what that means is doesn't necessarily resonate in goals, but if that's the case, great. But contested marks, keeping the ball in the area is really important for those two big guys. Matthew, I was interested in your uh, assessment of uh, the disaster of, of last week. And, and as an old midfielder, I'm sure that uh, you would have been looking at it the same as I was and thinking that delivery inside forward 50 was horrendous. And, and I guess if you're going to progress, you're going to have to sort out this issue of the interceptor. Now, Haynes is a notional interceptor tonight. Whether or not he does that role or not, I'm not sure. But next week, if you progress, you've got Lever and then Alir Alir again. Surely... I mean, I don't know how you assessed it. Uh, was it was it the common view that it was just poor delivery inside, or was it the combination of the poor delivery based on there were there were no, I guess, avenues to attack wide? I mean, what, the small guys didn't make Alir Alir defend, if you like. Absolutely, yeah. I thought we did a reasonable job with um, the week before against Melbourne with a couple of their interceptors, um, May and Lever. But I thought last week Alir just got you know. He took a real hold of the game early from a defensive point of view, which is, you know, you, you don't often see, I think, four marks and three or four spoils in that first quarter. It was just way too much. So we've done some work this week in regards to our delivery inside 50, particularly from centre-bounce wins. We we had our way at times in centre-bounce last week, but yep. we just didn't capitalise. And we've done some work on that in the training track this week, some sort of edgy work. And then, But also, Jared, I, I, I totally agree. Sometimes you're out of position as a forward and... You know, our forwards probably recognise this week they've just got to bring it to ground when they're out of position at times. I think mm. Richmond have one club that have done that really well historically over the last two or three years when they're out of position in the front half, they can have it. Um, so at times when you've got pressure on you in the CB and you do have to just get it forward, you just need a contest forward of the ball. So are you going to play at the same speed out of defence as you have done or are we going to see a little bit more speed on the ball? Yeah, I think we'll see a little bit more speed on the ball tonight. We had a... Um, we had a couple of really good sessions this week at East Fremantle, two solid sessions that we've had sort of a seven-day break. We're able to get a fair bit of work in. Mm-hmm. And the emphasis a little bit with this week was let's, when the opportunity arises and you look up and you can go, let's just take that and back our players ahead of the ball to compete and make something with their creativity. So I think we'd like to see a little bit more urgency out of the back half tonight when we win that footy. How much time do you put into deciding who the sub's going to be? You're going with Zach Guthrie tonight. Matty, how much, as the season's gone on, does, does it time and thought going to who that's going to be? Yeah, it has to be paramount because, you know, I think we've used our sub at least 50, 60% of the time this year reasonably early in games. So there's a lot of work that does go into it. Um, pretty, probably took until yesterday to decide really on the sub who that would be. And In the end, we come to the point that Zach Guthrie probably gives us a, a lot of flexibility with with Tui who can play midfield and wing and also Blitzarv. So you know, it's more the moves you can make for us off that. So, you know, if Zach was having to come into the game, obviously he can go back or play on wing, but it does free up other players, you know, Smith, Blitzars, Tui, to do different things for us. And sometimes that personnel change is what's required in games. 
You've persevered and persevered with uh, Sean Higgins. He's finally lost his spot. What, what do you see his um, short-term future being, as in what does he need to do to get back into the team? And what about next year? What role do you see him maybe may experimenting with to give him some uh, a chance of playing in the top team? Yeah, it's a fair point, Jared, because obviously we got him across to to be in our 22 um, and predominantly has been, but it's, it's fell out this time of the year. So um, I think in the short term, he's, he's got to be ready to go sort of that half forward mid role in the coming weeks um, if we have someone come out of this team. But I think long term, we just got to make sure over the pre-season, we just get him really ingrained in, in exactly how we want him to play those roles. And, yep. you know, he's, he's been consistent at times, but at times, you know, he would like to be able to give us more. So I think it's, it's a really solid one. Again, pre going back to pre-season, Jared, and he's going to be pretty determined to do that. But in the short term, he's just got to be ready to play half forward and mid. Yep. Is Tom Stewart going to give himself a, a chance if you're able to keep your season alive, Matty? Yeah, well, he's walking laps today. We went down to East Fremantle and a few of us had a, a jog and a few of us had a walk and he was walking laps. He's, um, you know, he's up and about. So he, he'll give himself every chance, um, I'm sure, over the coming week. So... It's important we get the W because the longer we go, the more chance we give him. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's in good spirits and doing everything he can to get himself right. And in the overall, is there an edginess tonight? I mean, there should be. Is there? There was a training during the week, which is, you know, it's all right to come out of a game and review and talk about it, but the players took it on themselves and it was the leaders. It was Hawk, it was Sal, it was Paddy, it was, you know, Blitzard that created a real edge around training. So we saw some bodies hitting and some, you know, some physical stuff, which I really liked. It wasn't really coach-promoted either. So that was a real positive sign, I think, for the week. So what sort of week did Danger have? Because we know he's got a broken finger. I'm not sure if it's in the palm of the hand or in the extremity of the finger. It's does he Did he have it injected to train so he can actually experiment with uh, killing it properly, the, the pain, if, if that's been an issue, or simply just to get some more ball handling with the numb finger? Yeah, he did some ball handling. Um, to be fair, he didn't do a lot early in the week, Jared. Um, but in our last session, he completed the whole session, did a lot of ball handling, a lot of extra touch around stoppage, a lot of extra kicking. Um, when I say extra, he did en- enough to get a good feel. And yep. I think you'll see. It. I think you'll see a different player tonight. I, he's determined in the contest, but I think you know when he gets it, we've got to get more out of his ball. I think he's um, he's really keen to execute a lot better this week. Yep. Matty, I know your your mind's on tonight, but um, we've seen people that have um, uh, a lean in terms of coaching to experienced people in footy, and you've obviously been a senior coach in the past. Have, have you still got half an eye on whether a senior opportunity could come up for yourself? Well, probably not even. It's sort of not a. I guess not a, an eye on it, but it's just you know, the way it seems to work at the moment that, you know, you you got to, wherever you are, you got to do, you know, got to be a bit tribal, you got to do a great job, you got to try and get Ws each week for your team and then whatever rolls from that in the future, you know, I think just sometimes it's a little bit organic. So, you know, I, I don't look too far ahead with that stuff. Um, I'm at a wonderful club at the moment. So, yeah, we'll just see what comes with all that in the next, in the future, future years. But at the moment, it's all about, um, you know, getting a W tonight and endeavouring to win a premiership with the Cats this year. Good luck for the night, Matty. Great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks, guys. Matthew Knight's with us on AFL Nation. Do you have your eyes on a brand-new car? Go ahead and experience the convenience of buying your brand-new Hyundai online with Hyundai's Click to Buy. Visit the Hyundai website to find your local dealer today. We'll pick that apart shortly in the preview to the game with Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis, the other issues of the week. Coming up next as you're listening to AFL Nation. 
You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Cats and Giants tonight over in the West. The AFL Nation pregame show for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. The late out is Jesse Hogan, and it is a significant out in the way that this match is going to unfold. So we'll shuffle that around in the formal preview with Jordan Lewis and Jared Healy. The, the topics of the week. So there's nothing quite so lovely as the appointment of a new coach, I find. There's just a wonderful surge of optimism. And Craig McRae has arrived as a tremendous addition to the Guild of Coaches. He has. And I just loved his – Was it might have been his opening comment. Pumped. I'm pumped to be here. And I just – I love that realness and, um, and honesty, I suppose, in his first press conference. But, yeah, I, I haven't had anything to do with Craig. I've, I certainly know players who have played uh, underneath him at, at – at Richmond and then at then at Hawthorne as as the Fords coach and and everyone that I spoke to throughout the week knowing that I would be asked about him and, and what have I heard and every glowing reports absolutely loved him as a coach as an assistant coach uh, and we and we're very upset to to lose him but they understand he goes to a, a head coaching role and and I think the background of the teaching background there being involved in in successful organisations from a player to to now. Uh, a coach at Collingwood. I I look at it, and I think there couldn't have been a better appointment. Once you look at at his history and and you speak to people, and and good on Collingwood. I think it's been a brave decision not to go for the name, to go for the someone who they think is best suited to the job. What did you think of Lee's view? And I, and I think it's yeah. you look at history, and and it's almost impossible to believe, say, fifteen years ago that. Craig McRae is coach at Collingwood and Michael Voss is assistant coach of Port Adelaide. Now, I know Voss has had his go, but views, Lee's view, and I think he probably assesses himself in this, is that the, the alpha male is no longer the prototype for a coach. You, and even if you are the alpha male, you've got to de-alpharise yourself over a 10-year period uh, to sort of um, take some of the energy out of your competitiveness uh, or maybe increase your empathy or whatever it is that um, Craig McRae brings that Vossi didn't have any or didn't uh, be, wasn't able to bring initially. I still think there needs to be someone within the group with that type of mentality. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be the head coach. I know I would have liked that type of coach, absolutely. But I look at the Melbourne setup, I think, Simon Goodwin isn't that person, but Mark Williams is. Mm. So so there are positions within the coaching staff that need to be that alpha male. I think Lee's right. I think the head coach can't be that type of, of coach anymore. There would be clearly players that would like that. They might get it from other avenues. But the coach is there as a, as a shoulder to lean on, a, um, a bloke that everyone trusts in, a bloke that um, – or a woman that everyone – um, feel safe around. There's no. I remember some days, and you would be the same. You walk on eggshells once you walk into the into the club. He might have those moments, mm. but certainly not every single day. You can't be like that. And I think it's changed in a fact that it's it's now it's now every day. So I think back in the eighties mm. and the nineties, this, this is a really interesting point. This one, I reckon, the coach was only there. What on a Tuesday, Thursday, Monday, night, Tuesday, Monday, Thursday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then on a weekend. Mm. So that that. And Sunday mornings if you're lost. Yeah, that type of coach, you know, clearly suited that environment and the time that was required at the club. It's so hard for the for the coach to be able to do that every single time, but certainly for the players to have to deal with that every day. 
I still love the stories about Lee, about how he didn't, if you weren't in the 22 that week, he wouldn't even look at you if you oh. walked past him in the corridor. <laughs> you weren't necessary. Yeah, that uh, those days are gone. So what, what do you make of it, Jared? Because we're watching this play out in yeah. real time on yeah, a cricket front as well mm. with, with Justin Langer's demeanour, which felt like everything that, that you would crave and yep. love, and yep. yet it, it evidently is wearing. Well, I think the I think that uh, Justin Langer, even from afar, it seemed to me that Justin Langer saw himself through the prism of uh, the Eagles coach, and I, I suspect even Adam Simpson is less alpha male than uh, Justin Langer. Um, so I think it's it's heading that way, and I think uh, Lee's observation and the way he uh, described it is um, is I think a great insight, which I think then says, well, okay, it's a different sort of mindset or a different sort of skill set to. Uh, what's been the prototype? And you see the names that get thrown up for every job that gets available. Well, you know, all of a sudden, a, a totally different sort of uh, assistant coach is now in the in the uh, in the reckoning. And I think if Craig McRae goes fifteenth, fourteenth, twelfth, eight premiership, well, you know, within five years, this thing all could change. I think Chris Fagan's actually been a, a lot like this. I, I trained, well, I observed training a couple of years ago. And the ball was on the deck all the time. This was pre-season. And, you know, I'm looking around waiting for the assistant coaches to start barreling blokes, thinking, hey, what about the standards here? And yet one of them did. And yet Chris was immediately so positive in the feedback. So it was pretty clear to me this was a super, super positive environment. And um, I think that's probably the go-to environment now. And I think it's what Louis is saying. If you're there... Day after day after day after day, you probably you can probably have some negative feedback uh, occasionally, but uh, most of it's going to be pretty through through a positive view, isn't it? Yep, yep. And, and I think I don't know whether you guys saw the Amazon documentary. I think most of the of the the times when you get to see a coach address his group, you know, it was pretty it was pretty nice, and there wasn't too many mm. too much roaring and shouting. I think Leon Cameron was probably the one that that did it more so, but I would look at that documentary and go, I would rather play for that coach yep. than the other types of coaching. So it, it does, and that's that's the thing I suppose you've got to weigh up as a coach. You've got 52 different personalities in front of you. How do you mix and match and how do you get the best out of out of everyone? And I think what uh, we saw with Lee, I mean, Lee evolved. I mean, Lee was, you know, even he acknowledges he was brutal at uh, Collingwood and, and, and by the time he came around the second time, he was uh, a much nicer Lee. And, uh, you know, he had fantastic results in doing so. But I think his, his view of the, where it's going, I think, uh, has been a, a great observation. It's, even with David Teague, though, the view from the outside is he was too nice yep. in his press conference. But speaking to people at Carlton, they said, well, they actually had to hold him back quite a bit. So that's different to what people mm. thought. Yep. Now, I don't know where the truth lies, but that's what mm. I was told. Yep. What, what have the change for Collingwood? So wasn't it ama- I found it amazing. It's only their 16th coach, mm. and then you look at the list and go, look how long these yeah. iconic figures mm. of the game held this job for. So it is, it's a big shift in brand yep. for them. Uh, Michael Gleeson wrote a terrific piece in The Age mm. about it. Um, what, so how do we observe the – Collingwood wants to be smaller. Oh, that's the only way to look at it. And Nathan Buckley had a desire to Buckley make them smaller, but he could never do it yeah. because of who he was yep. and because of who his president was. This is a really active shift to be a smaller version of Collingwood. Well, Graham Wright, I think, has been an amazingly good appointment. And, I, you know, we've had him on, on the Sports Day a couple of times, and he's just so methodical and calm. And I just think to myself, I said it last week, I think, here, that you just love to know that he's in charge of your footy club. 
And Graham Wright came through Alistair Clarkson, who was pretty much an alpha male, but he was also an untried sort of player. He was a, you know, he was a battler as a player. But he saw something in this which, that was different and, you know, took Hawthorne to unprecedented uh, success. And I, I think he's he's picked up on the trend and he's gone, well, it's going to be this bloke or it's going to be that bloke and we don't give a stuff whether they're high profile or not. And maybe Collingwood have have gone through the high profile and haven't been able to find the success and it's almost a distraction more than any. And Craig McRae, all he's got to do is deliver success and that will be enough. Just get us a flag. And what he's going to put around him, so Justin Lepich is clearly going in with him and it feels like Brendan Bolton is as well. So you're mm. bringing in two blokes who've had a look at senior coaching, two exceptional teachers. And the, the most revealing part I thought from him was he wants a diverse group. He wants someone who will challenge him. He wants someone who's smarter than him. He wants someone who's happier than him. He wants he doesn't want the group think. He wants to be challenged and he actually wants to use the intellect of the group around him. And this is the other change. I've Lepper's taught us this throughout the year is the idea that it's the coach, it's not the coach. Mm, it's, it's the, the group, group yeah. now. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, people ask me what's what's been the improvement in Melbourne? Is is Simon Goodwin coaching better or coaching differently? No, he's coaching exactly the same. It's the people that are around him. That's why the, the Teague thing for me was a situation where why didn't they try and revamp the assistant coaches before they actually tipped the head coach out? Because we've seen it so many times that that gets great response within the, the performance of not only the coach, because you're going to learn off other people around him, but they get a response from the playing group. You get different ideas. And I, and I love that about Craig McRae. I, I think anyone who he has learnt that clearly along his 15 years as, a, as an assistant coach, but, but um, as a player as well, he, he hasn't got an ego. So he wants people in that organisation that can help him perform and help him win the next piece of silverware. I think it's a great trait to have. The topics of the week in footy as they present to us, and that's not the whole suite either, but we'll settle in on these semifinals. We'll give you a taster for the Lions and the Bulldogs and then get into the preview over in the West as the Cats and the Giants uh, shortly to begin their warm-up for Ream in Staller Ream, Australia's favourite in hot water. The news, if you are just joining us, as Jesse Hogan is out with calf tightness for the Giants and Phil Davis comes and takes his place in the side. Do you have your eyes on a brand new car? Go ahead and experience the convenience of buying your brand new Hyundai online with Hyundai's Click to Buy. Visit the Hyundai website to find your local dealer today. Coming up on AFL Nation, the second semi-final in the West, the Cats and the Giants. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. On AFL Nation tonight, over in the West, it is the second semi-final, Geelong and the Giants. It looks like a beautiful evening over in Perth, the the, uh, venue of this year's grand final. We'll take you through it with Jared Healy and Jordan Lewis shortly, and Hutto will set you up for tomorrow night when the Lions host the Bulldogs. But before we delve any further, let's get our points bet updates and the latest in sports news. A points bet update. It's shacking easy to bet anytime. Download the points bet app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. G'day punters. Elliot from points bet having a look at the game tonight. Geelong versus GWS. The Cats, they head into this one favourites. Pretty short with us at points bet. $1.38 head-to-head. GWS outsiders 315, just under a three goal start on the line for them as well. 
They're plus 17 and a half. Good money for the Cats all week on the line. We'll have a quick look. First goal scorer markets are always popular. Tom Hawkins and Jeremy Cameron share the first line of betting, both at $8.50. Jesse Hogan's $9 and Gary Rowan $12 to kick the first goal with us at PointsBet. Plus, we have the same game multi-refund offer available on every single finals game with us at PointsBet. So place a three or more league same game multi. And if it fails, you're going to get your money back in bonus up to $25. So it doesn't matter how many legs you get wrong. If it loses, you get your money back in bonus up to $25. T's and C's do apply. So to find all these markets and plenty more, head to pointsbet.com.au, download the app, and as always, please gamble responsibly. A sports news update for Fuchs Lubricants, Australian made with German technology that pays back. G'day, it's Sam Fantasia with the latest in sports. The AFL is expected to reveal its position on mandatory COVID-19 vaccinations for players by the end of the season. CEO Gil McLaughlin says the league encourages the wider community to get vaccinated, but admits mandating the jab for staff is a complicated position. And Adelaide coach Matthew Nix says he wants to see Taylor Walker play on next season. The former skipper is contracted for 2022, but has been weighing up his future in the wake of the racism scandal, which saw him suspended for six matches. That's the latest in sport, and it's all thanks to Fuchs Lubricants, Australian made with German technology that pays back. The Giants are first out onto Optus Stadium tonight to begin the warm-up for Ream. Install a Ream, Australia's favourite in hot water. The late change, Jesse Hogan is out of the side with calf tightness. And Phil Davis, the veteran defender, comes in. And we wonder where will he play. James Peatling is the sub. While for the Cats, it's Zach Guthrie who's been named as the Medi sub. So before the full preview here, Hutto, set us up for tomorrow night. Well, uh... Intrigue about tonight, but uh, what about tomorrow night? Brisbane Lions against the Western Bulldogs. We know how dominant the Lions have been at the Gabba this year. But did the Bulldogs turn the corner last week or maybe over the last fortnight? That's my first question. I think that's uh, the answer to that is a definite yes. It's clearly uh, they've turned the corner, but, I mean, Libba turned the corner untagged, so he's still got that challenge if in front of him. And Dunkley, I think, helped turn the corner when he went into the tagging position on Parrish last week. I thought that was... Really good, but uh, they moved the ball, you know, in difficult conditions. They moved the ball a lot more uh, efficiently than the than the Bombers, and I think that they'll uh, they'll give themselves a hell of a chance if they can just quell probably the influence of two or three of their uh, match winners. I think they're in with a big chance. So the obvious question structurally is what do they do around McStay not being in the team, the Lions? But there's also a doubt on Caleb Daniel. Is it? Uh, talk that he may be out of the team. So what sort of influence would that have if he was out? Well, they can't pinch a defender. I think if, if everything was, was fine in defence, you might swing Adams forward to be that contested player down there to bring the ball to ground. But, I mean, for me, Harris Andrews is, is limping around, yeah. may, may or may not play. That might be a, a late decision, but he's clearly um, carrying something. So uh, I just think it's one of those things that they do have small forwards down there that can jump. I think of McCarthy, I think of Cameron, um, not not necessarily Bailey, but um, I think I think they've still got enough firepower in their forward line to clearly McStay hurts because you, you, Joey Danaher probably plays a little bit deeper, but I, I still think they're a chance down forward because Bulldogs don't have an overly tall forward line. Could they go just six smalls and use Joe Danaher as the secondary ruckman? I know they've got Fullerton. <laughs> Uh, and they're brought in pain. So oh, which would suggest they won't do that, doesn't it? It does. I mean, it may mean that he goes forward and uh, Harris An- he goes back and Harris Andrews goes forward. I mean, either way, Payne's not in their best 22. 
Uh, and I'm not sure Fulton's in their best 22 as well. So they've got two sort of uh, makeshift players that uh, are hoping to build careers. But I still think that they've got the capacity with, say, Lincoln McCarthy. I mean, that guy could easily yeah. play as a full forward. Yeah. Easily. He can jump. He can uh, make life very difficult for, say, an Alex Keith who uh, wouldn't like to be on the deck with him. So they could be really creative. Um but I'm not sure that's Chris Fagan's way. I don't. I don't mind the decision to put Harris Andrews forward mm. because because you you would just stationer him close to goal. He's, I think it's a PCL injury that he's carrying, so it, it's hard to get around. It's hard to turn. So station him there. Be that focal point down yep. in the forward line. He might attract other players, which which open open up other options. But we just saw last week on on numerous occasions he he just got caught wanting. Yeah, you no, know, Fritch was, on on times got behind him. He, he struggled big time. So. Yeah, you know, I still think I think the Bulldogs they regained some form certainly in the in the second half last week. The, the conditions allowed that. Um, I think Chris Fagan would look at that and 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 look at the Liberatore factor. He was huge. Um, and what to do there? I, I I think if you shut Liberatore out, that that's a that's a big way to towards winning the game. He was he was influential. Um, and then then it's for me it's. Um, it's how do you curtail the small forwards of Brisbane Lions? That, that provides a task. I reckon Libba, and I, I get frustrated when I see coaches ignore this, but if I was in the coach's box and I'm um, the Bulldogs coach and I, and I see Libba getting tagged, Luke Beveridge should just pick the phone up and say, mate, go to Jared Lyon. Mm. Just go and tag him. He's got every, I mean, he probably cut himself – uh, cut his uh, teeth as a tagger, and he's got it in his DNA. I've got to say, his old man was pretty pretty good at the job. Or go to Lockie Neal yeah, and uh, always, drag him back. Yeah, you're right. To always go make a two v one. Yeah, you know, against the best <laughs> best midfielder of the opposition side and try and free someone else. And it might be a Dunkley, it might be a Bontempelli that gets free, who can be quite damaging. So, so who wins? The merry go round of the midfield. Um, I think Brisbane. Yeah, I think. Um, you know, up there, home crowd. I think their record is 28-2 in home and away, but only one from four in the finals in recent years. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't sway me. Okay. No, it never yeah. sways me, the uh, the records. Yeah. It's uh, what's ahead. It's not a rear vision yeah. mirror issue. Thanks but uh, J- uh, Joe Danaher, I'd love to see Joe on the ruck. I think that's his best position now, but um, I reckon they get across the line. The Lions just, if, if Bont is best on ground, they win. And he has to be best on ground best for them, I think, to be challenging. Okay. So that sets us up for tomorrow night, the first semi final. The second goes first, and that's over in the West, the Cats and the Giants. Joel Selwood has led Geelong out onto the field. He is about to move away from Corey Enright as the game's record holder. He has seen so many unmissable moments for Drinkwise. Choose to drink wise, you won't miss a moment if you drink wise. Debut in 2007, has played finals all bar one year. I think it's number 36 tonight as he goes past <laughs> Sean Burgoyne. Mm. 3.33 for the Cats uh, out in his own right at the top. So let's go into the garage for both teams tonight. For Autobahn, Autobahn has all your top automotive gear at low prices. Jordan Lewis and Jared Healy kick it around, the Cats and the Giants. Oh, he's, firstly, Selwood's been a ridiculous player for the Geelong Footy Club. Um, and you speak about you know, ending up at the, at the club at the right time, and he's certainly, um, you know... <laughs> attributed to a lot of their success. But, I mean, he, he's up there with the greats of that football club. Had the pleasure of playing against him. Not the pleasure, but played against him. <laughs> <laughs> but it heads a few times. But he's an out-and-out star. So, well done to him. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.